This morning is a, is a wonderful day. There's a lot going on. Uh, we changed up the service a little bit. We have a couple of families coming uh, to dedicate their child. Uh, we also have a couple of families where we have a couple of children that are going to be baptized today. So it's a, kind of going to be a wonderful day and an opportunity for us to celebrate together. So we decided to kind of change things up a little bit. Um, have a have a little fun. So we'll have song. We're going to have some time where we're talking about child dedication. Uh, then we're going to bring up the families and dedicate the children in prayer. The elders will come up and help uh, pray over them at that time as well. Then we'll have another song and and then we'll have our folks that are getting baptized. They'll go back during the song and then we're going to talk a minute about what baptism is. And then after the after that talk, we'll see some videos, testimonies of of those being baptized today, and then we'll baptize them, and then we'll close out in a song. Sounds like a fun day, right? Yeah, I love it. Hey, a couple of things I wanted to talk about before we even get started, though. I do want you to ask you, we've trying to let you all know to continue to pray. This week, we have um, uh, three candidates that we're looking at for student pastor that we're going to be interviewing this week. We have a group of people that are interviewing them. So please be in prayer this week as we continue that process and seek God's direction. So please continue to, to pray uh, with us in this, in this uh, process as we go through it. Also, how many of you all last week were here, heard Greg uh, share about Pakistan? Did y'all, many of you here? If you were not here, I need you to go and watch that video. And the reason is, is because you really need to see what God did through Greg in Pakistan. And it's really important for us to understand the gospel that goes around the world. And that we have an opportunity to impact the world with the gospel, even through these little, these little trips that we get the opportunity to go. And so I'm bringing it up to encourage you to go and watch that video. If you hadn't seen it, it's on our website. If not, if you didn't see it, watch it. And then secondly, I want to challenge you that we're going again in, in, uh, in June. We're going to Tanzania. And Greg will be leading the team over there, and I want to encourage you, and I want to challenge you to consider going with him. Uh, the opportunities there in Tanzania are amazing, as we're seeing people that are receiving the gospel. We see these pastors, these national pastors, who are starting churches and planning churches, and it's just great to come alongside of them and to use medical missions as well to, to minister to folks and the opportunity to share the gospel and these national pastors who then take these contacts and they'll start a new Bible uh, study or a new church from them. And it's really neat to be a part of. So I want to encourage you to do that. If you're interested in doing that, then let's uh, stop by the... Uh, uh, what? Central Hub, yeah, I should know that, shouldn't I? The Central Hub out there, we just talked to Greg or myself. We'd love to really have a team, team go this year. So as we're getting started with our service, the first thing we're gonna be talking about is child dedication. So I have some very special readers. If those four readers would go ahead and come on up this morning, we're gonna be reading some passages about child dedication. Let me get a couple of mics. Thank you. Is it on? Both of them? All right, come on up. Let's see, let's go Andrew, then Max, and then Audrey, and then Haley, all right? Just face out there. I don't think we really have a mic, so I'm gonna hold it for you, or you can hold it, whichever you prefer. You can hold it. Uh, Isaiah 54, 13. All your children shall be taught by the Lord, and great shall be the peace of your children. 
Joel 1, 3, tell your children of it, and let your children tell their children, and their children to another generation. Amen. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 7, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk to them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. Amen. Psalm 78, 4 through 7. We will not hide them from their children, but tell, but tell to the coming generation of the glorious deeds of, of the Lord and, and his might and the wonders that he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel when he commanded our fathers to teach their children that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn and arise and tell them to their children, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. Amen. Amen. Hey, thank you guys very much. Thank you. Isn't that amazing? The word of God is so rich, isn't it? I mean, right in those four passages, there's so much right there that talks to us about how we are to impact our children and even our children's children and our children's children's children. That there's to be a generation in our lives that as we live out Christ, that impacts a generation, not only our children, but their children and their children. And it needs to be a mindset that we need to have, especially in this day and age, that we would have a mindset as a people of God in the raising up of our children, that they would understand these truths. And it's so important, let us pray. Father God, we just pray this morning that you would just, you would just speak to us. That Father, you would instruct us. And as, as, we, as we see these families coming, dedicating their children, as we see these, these two children that are coming to be baptized, that Father, we understand the gravity and the importance of our spiritual well-being in our day and our time. That Father, we would be a people that seek after you, that we would be a people who understand that in Christ Jesus, who we are, that we're dressed in his righteousness and our identity is not found in all the things of the world, but our identity is found in Christ. And we find ourselves standing firm and resisting even the, the attacks of our adversary because of who we know we are in Christ Jesus. That Father, today, that as we gather, as we understand the importance of, of raising up children who would be godly in Christ, that, Father, we would understand the gravity and the responsibility of all of us to live Jesus. Lord, just go past all the inabilities and the shortcomings of the servant and speak to us, your people, today. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> In his book, Promises to Peter, Charles Shedd tells how the title of his message on parenting changed with his experience of fatherhood. In the early years on the speaking circuit before he was a father, he called it how to raise your children. He said people came in droves to hear it. Then Charlie had a child. And it was a little while before he gave that message again. When he did, it had a new name. Some suggestions to parents. <laughs> Two more children and a number of years later, he was calling it feeble hints to fellow strugglers. 
Several years and children later, he seldom gave that talk. But when he did, his theme was, anyone here got a few words of wisdom? <laughs> Probably one of the toughest things I ever did in my life was raising children. It's a grave responsibility and it's important in our lives. And if, you've ever, if you have raised children, you stand here and you go, man, there's so many things I wish that I would have done differently where I would have wished I had this different emphasis. And as we raise our children, we many times find we have, we have such burden, we understand the wells and the attacks of our adversary on our kids today. We understand the things that are going on as we see media and as we see television and we see all these things just pouring into our kids and we keep trying to pour into their lives. And it's a, it's, a, it's a grave responsibility and yet it is one that can be accomplished. It's not one that we shrink back from and it's not one that we give up or, or declare defeat. We declare, declare victory in Christ Jesus and we move forward. In, in Deuteronomy chapter six, I wanna look at this passage this morning. As I was looking at it over the last couple of weeks, there's some things that really stood out to me that was a reminder, and I just want to point out a few of those things. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. This is a confession for the Jew of belief, of understanding that the Lord our God, the Lord Yahweh, is totally unique, and he alone is God. I don't think there's anything more powerful Listen to me. I don't think there's anything more powerful in the Christian walk for the believer to understand than to begin to understand that God is sovereign and rules over all, that God is God. And when we understand that truth and we humble ourselves towards him, our lives change. And that many times the reason that people are walking away from God and moving away from him is simply because they do not believe that he's God or that he has a say in their life. And we know that because we respond in him in a way where we do not obey him, we do not follow after him. And so when you read this in Deuteronomy, you're looking at it and you realize, hey, God is totally unique. There is no one like him. He alone is God. And so for us as believers, we need to understand that and settle that in our lives. All the other nations around Israel, they had multiple gods. If you ticked off one, you hope you have the other one that was keeping you happy, that would protect you. But that's not how it is for us. There is one God. There is one true God. There's none other. It is the God Almighty from everlasting to everlasting, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. There is none like him. And that's the God we serve. That is the God that we submit ourselves to. And if we're gonna be parents who impact our children for generation to generation, we need to understand that. If I'm gonna impact my grandchildren, if I'm, my grandchildren are gonna impact their children, then I need to understand that it begins with me spiritually. That I understand who my God is and who is the one I serve. It is something that we have to settle as a people of God when we say we know who our God is. We are his people. 
We have an identity crisis in our nation. There's people all over the place that talk about it. But I'll tell you what, the thing that scares me the most is the identity crisis we have in the church today because God's people don't know who they are. And that we need to understand the reality of who we are in Christ Jesus. And that we serve an amazing God. And when you understand that God is alone then you under, and he alone is God, then you look at verse 5 and it says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. The natural outcome of understanding who God is and that he alone is God, the natural outcome is choosing a relationship in which you obey and serve him. It's a loving relationship. It's a relationship whereby we wholeheartedly seek him. It doesn't mean we never fail, but it simply means that he becomes the priority in our life. If God is not a priority in your life, how do you expect him to be a priority in the life of your children? If you as a grandparent, God's not a priority in your life, how do you expect God to be a priority in the life of your grandchildren? We have to live it. We have to example, be an example to those around us about our faith and who we believe in. It's interesting. He hasn't even brought up about teaching children yet. Do you realize that? He's talking about the condition. If we are going to teach our children, we ourselves must follow after the Lord and keep his commandments. Not in complacency, but wholehearted and devoted if we're gonna be concerned about our children's well-being, spiritual well-being, then we need to be concerned about ours. We're really good about making sure our children get the best education. We're really good about our children making sure they have the physical things they need, a place to sleep and, and, and things to eat and clothes to wear. But are we just as determined to understand and to pursue their spiritual well-being? And if we are, then it needs to begin with us, that we would be a people that would be concerned about our own spiritual life so that we will impact our children. You see, in verse six, he goes on, and these words that I've commanded you today shall be on your heart. They are to govern your heart. Do they, does God's truth, who he is, govern your life? And he goes on in verse seven, you shall teach them diligently to your children. Notice, now he's beginning to teach us how to teach our children. Because the reality is, is if, if, if God's truth doesn't govern our heart, it's not gonna govern our children's heart. It has to start with us. And then as we learn to appropriate the truths of God's word, as we begin to appropriate the things of God into our life, we're able to appropriate them and, and to teach our children that they know how to apply them in their life. That they learn, they learn things like how to pray and to trust God because you pray and trust God. They learn how to forgive in those times when, when they've been hurt because they've watched you learn how to forgive and just show forgiveness when you've been hurt. They begin to learn those things and appropriate them because you're appropriating them into their life. It's not an instruction thing where you open up a book and you teach them mathematics. But you're demonstrating in the way that you go about your life the truths of God's word and then as you do that, you begin to impress them on the lives of your children. It's not an academic time. It's a time that goes throughout the whole course of the day in your time with your children and your grandchildren. It begins to govern your home. It begins to govern the activities and the course of your day. 
He goes on, you shall teach them diligently to your children in verse seven and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. The word of God is to govern our homes. The truth of who God is to govern our personal habits and conduct. That's what is going on here as they begin to even put them in, um, on their heads and on their hands and on their doorposts because they did not want to forget the truth of God. It was such a priority in their lives. They did not want to forget who God was and his word. How do we begin to impact our children as we ourselves live Christ? We begin to impact those that are coming. We begin to incorporate God's truth in our daily lives and habits and God is never an afterthought. <laughs> He's never an afterthought. You see, as we conduct our lives, then we teach others to conduct their lives after Christ too. It's the greatest impact that we can have on our children. I sometimes will talk to a young couple and always remind them, remember, remember, your children are joining your life. So many times the marriage becomes about the child and you start seeing the marriage separate. And the greatest thing that a marriage can do is to be loving in their relationship with one another to demonstrate to the children what that loving relationship looks like. And it's so true about our loving relationship with our God. The greatest gift you can give spiritually to your children is a loving relationship with God that you have demonstrating to them what it, what it looks like to live after Christ. So this morning we have two people, two families that are coming together. Uh, they're taking on this growing children. And it's amazing, I love both of these families. If, if Brooks Joseph would bring up his family and then Natalie Grace would bring hers up as well. I'd like to bring them up here to the front. How awesome. Man, is there something about new life that just breeds life into everything? It's so exciting. So here we have Brooks, Joseph this morning, Bozeman, uh, Tim and Case, Cassie, and as well we have Natalie Grace here and Rusty and, and Amy. So this morning I wanna take a moment as we're here and I wanna, I wanna talk to the parents and then I'm gonna talk to you as the congregation because we're all involved in the life of these children. That we, we talk about it all the time. We're just a group of people learning how to follow Jesus, right? Well, we need to encourage and to be examples of the life of Christ. So it's gonna be really important. I know in Psalm 127, it says, children are a gift from the Lord. God gives us the privilege to raise children and to be responsible for how they are raised. Therefore, we are here today to dedicate Natalie Grace and Brooks Joseph before the Lord. So I'm gonna ask both of you all a question to simply re respond by we do. First thing is, do you understand that Brooks and Natalie will learn from what they hear, see, and feel in the home? Do. do you promise God that you will provide Brooks and Natalie with a Christian home that will encourage spiritual growth? And then are you fully willing to accept God's will for Brooks and Natalie 
and to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. One of the hardest things to do is to trust God with our children, you know? And yet it's the most freeing thing we can do. It definitely is. So dear people of God and here at MBC is God's people, the family of God, we have a great challenge before us today. As Brooks and Natalie grow up in, in our presence, watching, listening, learning the scriptures under our care, I challenge all of us to allow Brooks and Natalie to see Christ Jesus in us. I challenge you to, to encourage them always towards the ways of God. And I challenge you, God's people, God's people, to be strong in biblical support of your, in, in your biblical support of Tim and Cassie and Rusty and Amy as they make this commitment before God today. Do you, as the family of God here at NBC, receive Brooks and Natalie and promise to be an example of Christ? If so, simply say, amen. Amen, amen. that's right. <coughs> Tim and Cassie, do you now dedicate Brooks to the Lord? Do you promise to pray for him that he may grow up in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? I do. I do. Awesome. Thank you so much. I don't know if you heard that. He said me too. Yes. Yeah, that's a good clap. That's right. Rusty and Amy, do you now dedicate Natalie to the Lord? Do you promise to pray for her that she may grow up in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We do. We do. Amen. So at this time, I'm going to ask if the elders would come forward. Can I get one of the mics? And we'll just kind of spread out. Greg, will you, will you pray? Put you on the spot. All right. I'm going to ask Greg to go ahead and just pray. And, um, and is that all the elders that are here? I don't see Jeff. All right. Well, let's pray. Can I hold my hand on your shoulder there? Here you go. Yeah, scoot over just a little bit. There we go. Thank you. Father, we come to you today, and we thank you for these two families. What a, what a joy to be a part of their lives. What a joy to be a part of their children's lives. As a congregation, Father, serving you together in raising these children, Father, what an exciting thing to be a part of. I pray for these two families. I, pray, I, I do pray for... Tim and Casey, that you would help them, Father, as they uh, parent. I pray that you would help Rusty and Amy, Father, help them to be good parents. Help each of these to be great parents to, to Brooks and Natalie, Father, and, and to their other children as well. But, Father, we pray especially for Brooks and Natalie this morning. We pray that they would come to know you at an early age. Father, I pray that they would see honesty of walking with Jesus in these homes. I pray, Father, that they would, that you would help them to these parents to be uh, honest about their own struggles at times when they can, when it's appropriate. Father, I pray that you would help them together to learn how to follow Jesus. And Lord, I pray for these parents that you would help them to walk with you all their days. We pray for these children that they would walk with you, that they would see a true Christianity lived out in these homes. Father, I pray that they would see Jesus in these homes, that they would, that they would uh, uh, grow up knowing who Jesus is, knowing who you are, knowing that you are the true God. 
Lord, I pray that you would provide for them uh, uh, one day someone to walk through life with, Father, uh, a, a spouse that would love Jesus as well, that would follow your word. And so, Lord, we know that, that those people may already be alive today, and Lord, we pray for them. Father, we pray that as a church family that we would always model you. Father, I pray that you'd help us to, to uh, uh, correct those places of hypocrisy which, in which we live, Father, and to live honest and true before you. Father, I pray that these folks would be, these children would be children of prayer, that they would see prayer often in their homes. And Lord, we just love you and we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for what he means to us and what he's done for us. And Lord, we pray in his precious name. Amen. 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 How, you can go ahead and be seated. How awesome is that to see those coming today and raising their children and making the commitment to raise them after the Lord. And now we move into a section where we're talking about baptism. We're talking about new life. The theme of the month for us this month in December is the God who redeems. And we're talking about our God who has sent his son, Jesus Christ. And through his death, his burial, and his resurrection, through the work he did, we looked at it for about five weeks on atonement, what he did, that he would redeem us, he would set us free. It is a God who redeems his people. And so this morning we have families who are, dedicating their children to raise them up in the way that they might learn of this redemption that we have in Christ Jesus, that these children would by faith receive Christ. And now we move into that time where we have a couple of children who have made that decision and have received Christ into their life and have been redeemed. And so now we will celebrate that time. I want to take a moment and look at baptism. The word baptizo in the Greek, it simply means to dip. I remember the first time I heard this, I was in a Southern Baptist church as a, a high school student, and I remember Grady Nutt, who was a, at the time a famous um, um, Christian comedian. Uh, some of you may have heard of him, but I'll never, I'll never forget when he talked about this, and he said, well, I guess that makes the president of the Southern Baptist Convention the Big Dipper, and I always cracked up at that. I've never forgotten that. Um, if you grew up Baptist, you get a little bit of that, but... Anyway, it was hilarious. Uh, the word simply means to submerge. And we have it used in secular writings of a ship that went to the bottom of the, of the Mediterranean Sea and that idea of, of being immersed. And so we use that as a mode of baptism. We believe that it is a great demonstration, a great teaching of what takes place in our identification with Jesus Christ. We baptize because Jesus told us to. I love in Matthew 28 and verses 19 to 20, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And I love this last phrase, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And I love that statement because I always say, if you want, you're not sure about Jesus being with you, just go share the gospel. Teach people about the commands of the scripture. Those are things that he says he will be with us. And it's significant. It's important for us to understand what is baptism. Well, the significance of baptism is, first and foremost, it's a profession of faith. Uh, in Colossians chapter 2, and verse 12, you can listen as I read it here. It says, having been buried with him in baptism, 
in which you were also raised with him, listen to this, through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. It's our faith in him that we believe we simply trust God to do what he said he would do, that he would raise us up, and it's by faith. I remember when I was in Maine, <clears throat> I was pastoring a church up there, and uh, we had one December or one winter where it never, got, it never got above zero for the whole month. I mean, during the day or the evening, it was not unusual. I remember one week, every night, it was below 30 below. It was, that was some of the coldest temperatures I'd ever been a part of. Well, <clears throat> you didn't baptize in the wintertime because the pipes would freeze and the lake was frozen over. So the way they did it up there is they had one baptism a year. And it was in the summer. And they had this local lake. And you would start walking out in this lake. And it was just very shallow. It would be like here all the way out to the building before you got deep enough where you could baptize somebody. But it was a popular lake for everyone to go to. And we always did this on a Saturday. And so two or three churches would get together and we had a baptism service. And we pull up and get out and we start having our service. Well, there's people there fishing and water skiing and stuff. And as soon as they see what's going on, it was amazing because I never saw it before. They just stopped. And the guys would be sitting there in their boats and I can remember walking out. Roy and June was the two that I, uh, I was baptizing that day. He was 80 and she was 70. It was pretty incredible. And we walk all the way out there and we're sitting there and I look over to my right and not too far over here to my right was this guy sitting in the boat watching our baptism service. He's sitting there and he's drinking his beer because it's a Saturday. He's out fishing, enjoying the boat. But he's sitting there and he stops to start watching June and Roy give their testimony of their faith. And they were baptized. It was a profession of their faith. It was a profession of their identification with Jesus Christ that there was now a new life, that these old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. And so when we talk about baptism, it's important. In this water up here, there's nothing special about it. Nobody prayed over it. Nobody put some kind of special juice in it or some kind of, you know, there wasn't an angel that kind of swung around and stirred it up or anything like that. It is water out of the faucet. And we did heat it up. I guess we did do that. Um, so, you know, it'd be comfortable. But there's nothing about it. Yeah, amen. <laughs> You're getting baptized. <laughs> but there's nothing about it as special because it is a demonstration of our identification with Christ. And in Romans chapter 6 and verses 3 and 4, it's talking about our spiritual identification there. But I think it's important for us to understand the implication of our identification with Christ that baptism teaches us. In chapter 5, Paul's arguing with them, not arguing, making his argumentation. You know, sin came in the world through one person, Adam. Now righteousness has come in the world through one person, Jesus, right? And so where sin abound, you know what? Grace bound even more. That you're not gonna exhaust grace. And then Paul says in verse one of chapter six, shall we say then, are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? I mean, isn't grace a good thing? If I sin, doesn't it produce more grace? And isn't that a good thing? And Paul's like, are you kidding me? God forbid. Are you, are you crazy? In fact, he says, by no means in verse 2. How can we who died to sin still live in it? He's asking them this question. Are you still identifying with Adam or are you identifying with Christ? How are you that, who, who know Christ continue in sin? Why is that even an option? 
Do you not understand that you died to sin when you identified with Christ? When you received Christ into your life and you've been, <coughs> by faith, received him into your life, you have a new life. It's, it's not the same. That's why I think Christians need to understand who we are in Christ. And baptism symbolizes this. Look at verse 3. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized in Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We identified with the death of Christ because we identify with the death to sin. Remember when we looked at atonement? We are no longer, we are no longer enslaved to sin and death anymore. We have been redeemed. We've been set free. He paid the penalty of sin. He became our propitiation. He reconciled us to God. Why would we continue in sin if he's delivered us and redeemed us? And that's the question. And Paul's saying, why would you do that? Do you not know that when you identified with Christ, do you not know that all of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? Verse four, <coughs> excuse me, if we were if we were buried with him, if we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Paul is teaching them, we do not continue in sin. Why? Because we've been given a new life. Everything you need for life and godliness is found in Christ. He's giving you everything you need. There's a new life. Who are you identifying with? You identifying with Adam, that's the old way of life, or you identifying with Christ, your new life, resurrected in spiritual life? Are you still identifying in spiritual death, or are you identifying in spiritual life? And baptism is a beautiful picture of that as we would lower them into the water, identifying with the death of Christ, raised to walk in the newness of life. I've shared this before. I don't mind sharing it again. And if... <clears throat> You're just going to have to, if you're tired of it, get over it, I guess. I don't know. But when I came to Christ, I never forgot. I walked. It was the Southern Baptist Church. I accepted Christ. I walked the aisle. I was one of those. I walked the aisle and meant every bit of it. I mean, I wanted to receive Christ in my life. Pastor said, next Sunday, you come back, we're going to baptize you. Well, it was a pretty good-sized church. Our baptism was up in the air. It was crazy, but it was kind of up here somewhere. And you walked out and you walked around. Pastor was there, ready. And I'll never forget, man, he just grabbed my nose. We teach, you know, differently, but and <laughs> he grabbed my nose, man. I thought he was going to break it off. He grabbed it so hard. There's no water going up my nose, that's for sure. And I remember he grabbed me and, you know, under the water. It was happening so fast, but I've never forgotten as I came out of the water and the water was running off my ears and I heard raised to walk in a newness of life. That's what it's about today. They're coming by obedience to Christ and identifying with him through their salvation, their faith in Christ and professing to all of us that truth in our profession of faith, of the new life that we have, that by baptism we profess that new life, that resurrected life that we have, that spiritual life. So we're excited today that we would have a couple that are coming this morning and I believe we have a couple of videos, so let me start with the first. Go ahead and show the first video. And Briley. I knew 
Jesus reigns over. I want to be baptized because I love Jesus. Put her up on that rock. I showed this the first hour, and we all love that I love Jesus. Don't you like that? I mean, isn't that what it is? It's about loving Jesus and trusting him. Can you tell me your name? Riley? Riley, we are so excited you're here today, and because of your profession of faith in Christ Jesus, we baptize you today in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go ahead and put your hand over your nose. There you go. And we buried with him in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. Isn't that great? Awesome. Okay. My name is Aubrey Latrell. I want to be baptized because Jesus told me to be baptized, and I want to do what he asks of me. Obedience, huh? Is obedience important in the life and our walk with God? It is. And today, Aubrey comes by faith. Aubrey, because of your faith in Christ Jesus and your profession of him, we baptize you today in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Buried with him in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. How awesome. Awesome. Praise God, praise God, amen, amen. When we see people coming to Christ by faith, loving Jesus, obeying Jesus, how can we not be excited over that truth? Amen? What a joy. Now, you might be here this morning, and maybe you've never been baptized. And maybe you heard these words today, and you're like, man, I want to get baptized. We would encourage you to go out here to our central hub, and there's people out there that can help you with that. Talk to me. We'd love to see you get baptized if you haven't been baptized before. It is a proclamation of our faith in Christ and our identification with him. Well, let's pray, and then we're going to stand and sing the last song today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your work and the lives of these families and these children. God, I pray. I pray, Father, that you raise up a mighty warriors for Jesus. I pray, God, that, that we just start a generation after generation after generation after generation of children who share their faith who rest in who they are in Christ Jesus. And that, Father, they would carry on the, the testimony of Christ for ages to come until our Lord comes. That they would glorify you, Lord. Be with these families. It is a, it is a tough task. And yet, Father, you've given us everything we need to do that, to raise our children, to impact our grandchildren and our children's children. Lord, to you be the glory and the praise forever and ever. Amen.